Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. If you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, exercise, medications, and surgery. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and And consult consult your doctors. doctors. Guys, we all need our vitamins after surgery, regardless of what you think. Yes. It's a must. Yes. So why not choose the easiest and the best tasting in the community? Seriously, it's ProCare, guys. ProCare is so delicious. I use their chewable for over a year. That's how I know. Yes. And I love their capsules. Yes. Love them. They're once a day. I take them at night. Yes. The calcium chews. mm, They have mocktail ones. So go over to ProCareNow.com and use our code OSLP to save some money. Guys, how do you get better prepared for your weight loss journey? Duh, by getting all the guesswork out of your portion control. And Uba does that for you. They make portion control products like plates, bowls, portion containers, and even flatware. And they're porcelain, which means that they are oven, dishwasher, and microwave safe. No plastic. Yeah. So go get your Uba containers now. My goodness. So you can either go to our link in our bio or you can just go over to their website. It is ubahome.co and that is ubahome.co and use OSLP for a discount. Are you feeling lost, alone, maybe a little unsupported in your bariatric journey? Well, if you are, we have a great resource for you. It's called the tribe membership and they have support groups every single day with experts in their field who also had bariatric surgery. Comes with journal prompts, workouts and recipes, you name it. They got it. You'll never feel alone again once you join the tribe. Now go over to thesleevedietitian.com and use code OSLP at checkout. Welcome back, OSLP family. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to our Sleeve Life podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Mel. And you guys at this point should know we are in the part of the year where we talk nonstop about this crazy award Mm -hmm. show that we put together. Yes. Um, And we are at that time again. So we have an award show. And if you have been living under a rock, um, it is called the Just Be You Bariatric Award Show, where we honor people within our community that are showing the strength to divulge all, any and all aspects of their bariatric yes. life. Yeah, they inspire others. They're, they mm-hmm. show up for themselves. They show up for other people. Yes. And we just want to shine a light on the community because, yes. you know. No one sees us over here. And then they make fun of us all day. So exactly. It's annoying. Um, and nominations at this point are closed, yep. but we are getting ready to open up the voting. That's so right. we will have top five people this year. Last year we did four. So we're going to open it up to another person. Yeah, we heard this year. your feedback. We yes. got it. We, that's why we love doing surveys. Yes. So we know what to change. And yes. That was a big one. People that was wanted to one. have in top five. So yeah. Instead of top four. So we added top five there in. You go. And uh, yeah, voting is going to be starting soon. Yep. So you want to keep an eye on the jbyawards.com. Yep. That's where all the updates will be happening. And then also go to oursleevelifepodcast.com and sign up for the emails because then you will be notified. I was going to say that's the easiest way. All the time. Just be on our email list and then you're going to mm-hmm. get the first pick of tickets. You get the first pick of knowing where things are. You yep. get the first pick of when voting is. Like, yes. Everything yes. goes through there. And tickets are available now. Right so now. So go. Go to jbyawards.com, get your ticket, book your hotel. It is going to be a long weekend full of fun. And we have so many activities planned. 
you are going to walk away from that weekend saying, damn, that was the best fucking weekend ever. Seriously, because we have some pretty cool things coming your way. And with the venue itself, it's the Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. It's beautiful, guys. And they're literally going to make sure that it's catered. We're going to make sure you have a dance floor. You're going to have a photo booth, two bars, two freaking bars. And the top one, if you actually buy the seats that are on the balcony, it's premier balcony seating. Then you get to like, just do your little camera on your QR code and then you get table service. Yes, you get table service. Those are only uh, available in bundles Groups of four or six. Mm-hmm. So go talk to your berry besties, figure it out, buy those booths because those are going to be the best ever. But if you are in general admission, it is also a great show oh, yeah. for you because you'll be down in the mix of everything. And that's so, where you want to be. Yeah. yeah. And we want to, of course, thank our sponsor, our top sponsor this year. They were our top sponsor last year. You guys know ProCare. We love them. Yes. Um, great vitamins, great company. And they are supporting uh, another great party right? for they our community. They support us and you guys. Yes. Like They're all about bariatrics. Like yep. If you ever go to their website, it's ProCareNow.com. And literally use OSLP or JBY 2023. That actually gets you a higher discount. Yes. But everything's geared toward bariatric people, Mm -hmm. even gut health. Even if you're pregnant, they have prenatals that are just for you. Wound support. Wound support. Thyroid thyroid support. Yeah. It's they, if you think about it, they have it. Yes, exactly. Go check them out because they are just freaking the best. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP. You want to become a Benchy because there's so many perks that come along with it, including the weekend of JBY. We have lots of perks for the Benchies. So you want to go over there, sign up. You'll be, you'll get admitted into our Facebook support group where there are over 200 other bariatric patients and you can ask questions and comment and create bonds with these people. It's, it's fantastic. So you want to definitely do that. Yeah. Cause they get a discount on the tickets. They actually get their own free brunch from us on mm-hmm. that Sunday and we get to hang out with them the whole time. Yes. And then they do get weekly, not weekly, monthly meetings with us. Like we Zoom have calls. one today that yes. we're going to do this afternoon with them. So yes. There's just so much that they get and they get to know everything beforehand and they get access to everything before the public does. Yes. So we want to thank our patrons a lot because if it wasn't for our patrons, like our bills would not get paid. So. Uh, that's that's very true. Um, and then also go over to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And because YouTube is a free way to support us. Yes. You just go over to there, type in our sleeve life podcast.com or not the dot com, not just the, the our com. sleeve life podcast <laughs> and uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell okay. so you get notified for future videos like this one because mm-hmm. we have a really cool guest on today. We do. And I am just, we flew through the intro because we want to just get to this episode. I know. This one's going to be so fun. So welcome on. I don't want to butcher your name. Everybody butchers my name. I, Batsheva. Batsheva Marcus. Batsheva. Batsheva is my first Sheva. name. Marcus is my last name. Okay. Everybody thinks Batsheva's because it's two words, they think, but it's like Billy Jean. It's Batsheva Marcus. Okay. All right. And go. you are a sex therapist. I am. I'm so excited. I am the sex therapist. The, the only one that's been on this podcast. That is for sure. Yes. yes. And, and, and thus the only really, the only real one, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, and you've also written a, a book about sex. I have. 
Satisfaction Guaranteed, How to Have the Sex You've Always Wanted. Oh. Um, and it's meant, it's geared for women who want to fix their sex life, which is pretty much all of us at some point at in some our point lives, in right? Life. Yeah, yes. Yes. yeah, exactly. For sure. Let's start it off with, how did you become a sex therapist? Yeah. Before we're going to get into the all nitty gritty what questions. Happened? How yeah, what's really, happen? what's really unusual about the fact that I became a sex therapist, I grew up in a Jewish Orthodox household. I still am Orthodox. I know. Wow. I know. I'm like in shock when they hear that. Yes. And um, I got zero sex education, like most of us. Yeah. Um, and really felt bewildered and pissed off, to be honest, about having had no sex education mm-hmm. and um, went into a different field for a little while and then pivoted and went into sex therapy and went back and I got a master. I have a master's in social work. I have a master's in public health. I have a master's in Jewish studies and a PhD in human sexuality. Whoa. And I know a lot of degrees. My kids make fun of it. And um, my dissertation was on vibrator use and women. So, and I wrote it 25 years ago before everybody was using vibrators. Like Whoa. it is quoted in lots of places because there was nobody doing research on it at the time. Yeah. So I did that. And, and for 25 years, I ran, I built basically and ran one of the largest um, women, sexual health centers in the United States. And what, what can I keep going? Or am I yeah, going? Yeah, no, 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 we're like, I, I t- mind blown. Yeah. I, I am just like, I talk a lot. So just interrupt me whenever it gets okay. irritating. Okay. All right. Anyway. Um, so I, um, was the clinical director of this huge sexual health center, which what was really unusual about it, and which I think your listeners really need to get a handle on is that we are sitting at the dawn of where the physiological and the psychological are coming together, right? Like for so many years, everybody treated women's sexual issues as if like it was all psychological, right? If she's not interested in sex, it's because, you know, people use terms like frigid, but like either there was trauma in our history or there's problems in the relationship. And that's the kind of like bullshit. Like sometimes those things are absolutely true. And sometimes your hormones are getting in the way, your birth control pills are getting in the way. There's a million things that are happening. And when you start to understand that the the medical and physiological and the psychological when they work together you you get results that are just dramatic and so um the work that i was doing with women was really really groundbreaking and um amazing and we got fabulous results and and i was getting calls from like all over the world not the united states also but like just everywhere where people were asking me questions and i was like i got to put this into a book yeah. so i wrote the book with and i started with a questionnaire to make it super easy for people to kind of figure out what the problems are and where they're coming from and i tried to take a lot of really complicated concepts and make them super easy and fun and easy to talk about. And I, I want people to feel like they're sitting across the table from me when they read this book, Aww. like that it's like a friend. So I love that. that's a little bit about me. Oh, wow. wow. There's so much to dissect so there. unfold there. Okay. <laughs> so you're so, speechless. I know. Uh, hey, that does not happen to us very often. No, not at all. Again, I'm thinking the vibrator thing throws people out. You know, we, we could start anywhere you want. We could talk about low desire, why women get stuck with low desire, with problems with arousal, why they can't get turned on. I like guess we can fantasies. Just... We can talk about the whole sh- everything that goes down with fantasies and women's problem with that. We talk about vibrators. <laughs> we talk about wow. Okay. Wow. So let's start here. Look, I want to start with the very beginning, like why sex education is the way it is. Yeah, that's basically. Yeah, because I know I didn't like my mom didn't talk to me about sex. I had no idea about that. I knew that there was a penis. I knew there was a vagina and I knew they had to go with each other. But other than that, I had no idea. I was so removed that I didn't even realize that like 
there's a hole down there for that. I thought it was just my pee hole and then my butt hole for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah, no, definitely. The truth is you're way ahead of the game. If you know, there's a penis in the vagina and the penis goes into the vagina. Oh, Seriously, okay. I feel like they were like, why is sex education so terrible? So that is a amazing question. And it's a really, really hard question for me to answer. I think it comes down to the fact that people are just really uncomfortable talking about this stuff, right? Like, you know, and so the parents kind of push it off on the schools and the schools kind of push it off on the parents. And, Mm. you know, I am a huge, huge advocate of parents talking to kids and starting like super young, like at age two, like with body parts and really like, because then it's less uncomfortable. Right. And like, that sex education, and this is, I, I'm always saying to parents, this is it's not like you sit somebody down when they're 12 and you have, or 11. By then, first of all, it's way late. But second of all, can you imagine, and you know, you, all of us who've done sleeve surgery and have de- struggled with weight issues can get this one. Can you imagine if when you were 12 years old, your parents sat you down and for the first time they said, okay, we want to just tell you what, like macronutrients or micronutrients, this is what a calorie is. This is what a vegetable is, Right. And that's it. We're having this half hour conversation, this hour conversation. And that's what you're going to learn about nutrition. Well, that would that's be wild. bullshit, right? Like yeah. you're growing up, you're seeing, you're seeing what your parents are choosing and what they're eating. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about food and you're making dinner with your mom or your dad, and you're going to restaurants and you're talking about food all the time. It's integrated into your life. Yeah. And sex should be exactly that way. If, if we could get there, if we get to a place where we're super comfortable, then you're talking to your kids. Like, why does this feel good? Why does that not feel good? Why did this person call this other person, this name? Like, what does it mean when I see these two women kissing or these two men kissing or like, you know what I mean? Like it just becomes a very natural conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you start when the kids are little, it makes the conversation so much easier and it makes your kids able to talk to you. So I think people are just uncomfortable. And honestly, it's not just the parents. It's not doctors are uncomfortable. That's what's mm-hmm. so scary to me. And doctors and therapists, right? Like I'm a therapist, mm-hmm. but I'm a general therapist who also does sex therapy. But like, I cannot tell you how many couples counselors out there are uncomfortable talking about sex. How, like, I'm like, are wow. you kidding me? Like that's, I, I can see, a, a, like I'll see a woman and you know, she, she hasn't had sex in a year. And I'm like with her husband and I'll be like, oh, okay. What is your couples counselor? Like, cause you've been in therapy for six months. And she'd be like, oh, it never came up. I don't like how are you how? freaking kidding me? That person should be disbarred. You know, it's like, oh yeah. my goodness. Anyway, so that's I don't know why sex education sucks, but like let's change it, girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. And my other main question before we get to the other ones is just like, why is sex so important? Yeah. Okay. So that is probably my favorite question. I love, love, love that question okay. because you know, I I think being able to be sexual, either with yourself or with a partner. Mm-hmm. changes the whole tenor of your life. Like it's so fundamental to who we are. It changes your relationship. It changes the way you feel about your partner. It changes the way you feel about yourself. It makes you feel alive. I think we all kind of know this on a certain way. Like when we're not, when we're not sexually excited, interested, available, we haven't had access to our sexuality. We just don't feel as alive as we do when we do have access to our sexuality. Okay. You know, and I, I'll often say like, I didn't go into this field because I'm so fascinated by body part A and how it fits into body part B, although that is interesting and yes. we will talk about that. Good. But I'm interested in what it does to you as a person, to you mm. and your relationship. I mean, we all know this. Like mm. any of us who've been in relationships where there was no sex for a time, 
it's just changes the nature of the relationship and, and ourselves, we feel differently about ourselves when we're feeling hot and sexy and mm-hmm. like we're connected to our sexual selves. Don't, don't you guys think you tell oh, yeah. me 100%. I, mean, I always feel better when I'm having sex on a normal basis and I feel like more mm-hmm. confident, like my self-esteem is higher. I feel sexy. Like it's a whole thing. Like you can like see it on someone. Yeah. I think that's probably the glow that people see. It's just them. Just it's like, a whole thing. And yeah. for anybody listening, you could be having sex with yourself. Solo sex is great sex too. You know, yeah. your favorite yeah. best partner. So yes. So that is why I think sex is important. I really, really do not to mention the fact that it's also healthy. Honestly, your vagina is like a lose it or use it as is your penis. So like, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it's important physically, but I think emotionally and existentially, like it is so cool when you're feeling alive sexually. Oh, yeah. What do you mean by if you don't use it, you lose it for vaginas oh, and well, penises? Yeah, no, you're you're let's start with the vagina. Yeah, no, we talked about the penis also. But when you talk about the vagina, it has a certain elasticity to it. Right. It goes up and it opens and closes and you need a certain blood flow into the area and you need nerve ending flow into the area. And that makes it keeps it kind of plump and functioning. And if you don't use a vagina, if you don't use a vagina for I don't know, a year, let's say, or six months or a year or longer, the muscles tighten up. Stuff is all fixable. I want to tell anybody if anybody's having a panic attack. Uh, I mean, I'm literally having a panic attack. I know. I'm like, did I break it? No, 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 no. You just got a little rusty maybe and we're going to get it unrusty. Okay. But basically you need, you need to be able to get that mucosa or that what you think of it as a skin inside the vagina all plumped back out again because okay. you need blood in that area. And sometimes the muscles tighten up and that makes it hurt when you try to have intercourse. Okay. So you can, you have to stretch that, but there is it, it, like any other part of your body, like think about it. If you didn't use your legs for a year, mm. your legs would not yeah, function the way sense. they should. And so our vagina like, atrophy. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it does. But it gets, wow. But it gets tighter. But you can get it back again. Okay. Tighter is not good. Did you say tighter like that as in that'll be good if it's tighter? Yeah. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> She's like, no, no, okay. no, it's not. So, so I just want you to know when you think of your vagina, it's not like there's a hole there. It's like, it's a potential space. Think a turtleneck sweater, right? Okay. Something goes through, opens and closes. You want it to be flexible. You want it to be able to open and close and open and close. And if it gets tight, then it's just going to hurt when something goes in there. Oh, now you can retrain it. Now, just the same thing about the penis. The penis gets less flexible if it's not used. Um, Yep. If it doesn't have regular erections, then it can become, the skin can become much less flexible and, you know, it also needs. I'm literally like reliving my whole ex-marriage, like. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, it's like because well, we went, went a, we yeah. went a long time in between sex, and I couldn't That's an ex marriage, ex marriage. <laughs> um, but every time we would, like, it would be like once every six months, once every like, and it would hurt, and I wasn't. Sh- I didn't know why that was. I thought I was just like prepping and measuring your food post-op is a beast all in itself. Portion Perfection has actually made it super, super simple. They have bowls, plates, and even a lunch bag called the kitten carry where you can have all of the system ready to go. Especially when you're on a road trip, that thing is a lifesaver. Yes. If you want to get these things to help your journey, just go over to portionperfection.com and use our code 15OSLPOD. And again, that's 15OSLPOD. And you can also go over to our Amazon storefront to pick out any of those that you would like to use. 
we found a company that was founded by a bariatric surgeon for his patients. He is just trying to make their lives easier. And so they have created a whole array of snacks and dinners and just all the foods you could possibly want that have protein in them and are delicious. Yeah. And they're so freaking good that we took them on tour with us because we tried them on a live. So you guys can always go back and watch that. Mm -hmm. And we liked every single bar. We were shocked. We don't want you guys to miss out. So go over to berrylife.com, use OSLP and get your discount. While we were in Florida, we got to visit one of our favorite bariatric surgeons, Dr. Donald Fridley at Surgical Associates of Bayonet Point. They tailor make all their plans to the unique needs of each patient. They have this cool thing there. It's an in-body scanner and you get to do it pre-op and post-op. So that way you can see all the differences and all the changes that happen. And he's also one of the surgeons that does his surgery with robotics. And we got to play with that. We did. So we were so so excited and we want you to have such a special care that they give. So go over to SABPweightloss.com right now or give their office a call at 727-819-9107. That's right. So and tell them that the OSLP girls sent you and they're going to take great care of you. You know, I, I, I'm like, I just don't want sex. You think, yeah. wait, you think you, you thought you just weren't turned on yeah. so you, cause you weren't, which might've been the case also. And you, maybe you weren't getting lubricated, but honestly, mm. if you don't use that vagina, it does tighten up. And okay. that's why there's, there's like, there's dilators that are easy to use, but there's dildos you can use. There's internal vibrators you could use. So there's so many ways to get around that. If you're not currently with a partner or a partner with a penis, maybe. Okay. So it's not a big deal. It's just something I think we really need to stay clear about. Oh yeah. Cause I didn't know any of that. Nope. So not that's, that's really, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So Point number one. Yeah. To keep in mind, yes. Use it or lose it. Use yes. it or lose it. it. Okay. Okay. So then how, if you're feeling not turned on, you don't really like for me, I'm not good at initiating at all. Like I just, I don't feel like I feel awkward when I'm initiating. And so it's very hard for me to get to a point where I'm like, Yes, I want to have sex. Like it's always like, uh, okay, fine. And then I enjoy it once I have it, but it's that it's that initial initial. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do if you're like not being turned on at all or a situation like that? Yeah, cuz I've actually heard her tell a partner, "Do you want to have sex now or later?" Like she's told wait, me that. Wait, why is that? Tell me why that's bad. No, but like they were like just talking and he she said it like nonchalantly. Oh, we were kissing. And I was like, do you want to have sex now or do you want to have it later? Right. I think that sounds very. Well, he was upset about it. That's yeah, why. he got very upset That's about why. that. Because it, it sounded too transactional, like it yeah. sounded yeah. too businesslike. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to, oh, my God, you're so hot. I need to have you now. Probably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't Knowing talk. I don't talk like that at all. So. OK, well, we got to work on that, dear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's do. a lot of things that um, I need to work on. <laughs> So you have raised so many issues right now. I'm trying to figure out where to, how to parse to them start. to actually be helpful. No, no. I think it's their amazing questions. Yep. Um, so, so first of all, I think people have to understand, and maybe this will help you understand it too, that there's two different things like desire and arousal are two different things, oh, right? Okay. One is wanting to have sex and one is getting turned on when you're having sex. Now they are related, right? Like if you don't get turned on and the sex isn't good, you may not want to have sex. Okay. But there are plenty of people who have get turned on, have good sex and still kind of don't want it. That's a desire issue. That's right? where like, that's where I'm at. Okay. 
Now that is different from, I feel shy and uncomfortable initiating, which is like everybody in the world. And we can talk about why that is. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So it's so funny. I was just going to do a whole series on Instagram about this because I just am getting like people jumping on me like, oh my, because I said something about how hard it is for everybody to, um, to initiate. And I got like, oh my God, I feel so shy. I feel so uncomfortable. I don't know how to do it. I, you know, anyway. I so, love it. Um, so that's, so that feels like a slightly different question than I never kind of seem to be in the mood, mm-hmm. which is sort of what you're saying. Like when I get going, I get turned on and yeah. I, you have orgasms. Yeah. Do you mind my asking personal questions? Is that I don't okay? Care. Yeah. We're, we're okay. open books. Okay. So you, you get turned on, you have an orgasm, mm-hmm. but then you kind of don't necessarily want to do it again. Yeah. It's not like, it, it's like one and done for me. Like, I'm just like, okay, I did that. Okay. That's like, fine. We're good. Yeah. Okay. So that honestly, that. You hear that a lot. Are you in a relationship now? Like a long-term relationship? Yeah. Yeah. So did you, and do you feel, did you feel differently in the beginning of the relationship than you do now? No, I think in the beginning it was very, I hadn't had sex in like a year and a half, I think at that point. So it was like, I kind of like, and I, I got turned on by my partner. And so I, I mean, yes, it has changed. I would say, yeah, it has changed. Like in the beginning I was more like, okay, let's have four or five sex sessions sessions in one day and now i'm like eh, two a week that's fine like okay so let me get some things you know everything is i you know i, I love it when people ask me what's normal and i'm like everything's normal if it works for you four or five sessions sex sessions one day is a hell of a lot for most people like when you're looking at a bell curve it's like way on the one side of the bell curve so yeah. you should feel like fast i mean i think that's great like okay go you okay yeah, you can and do it do it that, Uh, Yeah, exactly. And keeping up that kind of level would be kind of unlikely. So just so you know what the statistics are, there's data actually on this, believe it or not. Wow. And um, it's so funny because I did one, I did a a TikTok on this, got a million views. Like it's just, for some reason, this was what everybody wanted to hear. I don't get that many views on most of what I do. Trust me. So um, it was like, how often is normal to have sex is the question, right? Like how often do you have sex? So this study finally came out. It's a really excellent study with which large. And it said, basically the happiness level of couples went up the more they had sex until it hit once a week. And after that, it plateaued. Now this is averages, averages, okay. right? So there's going to, cause some couples who want to have sex five times a week. And there's so many couples who want to have sex once every other week, mm-hmm. but on the whole people in relationships were happier in those relationships when they had sex at least once a week is what it came down to. Okay. okay. So, and that gives you a pretty, and my experience with couples is that usually in long-term relationships, sex once or twice a week keeps couples like in a good place and connected. And when it gets to be less than once every other week, that's when sort of the cracks start to show. Okay. Again, very, that's very like, it can be still be very individual. I want, I would say that, but honestly, those seem like the numbers that are like pretty defensive defendable. Okay. okay. Cause I was telling Kel for a long time. I was like, I have like a three day rule. Like after three days, we need to have sex. So you are pointing out something else. That's so critical, which I'm going to jump. I mean, there's so much to talk about that. I feel like I'm jumping from one thing to another. No, so feel good. free to yank me back, you know? Okay. All right. So I often talk about scheduling sex, like putting sketch sex on the schedule. Now, a lot of therapists will sex therapists will talk about this. As a matter of fact, it's probably the number one thing that sex therapists will talk about. Um, 
I am going to stop you for one second because my <laughs> phone keeps digging and I want, I don't know how the hell that's happening. So can I, you have yeah, to go right ahead. I'm just yeah. going to turn it off. Okay, yeah. hold on. You do you. <laughs> that's so funny. So much. There's so much happening right now. So much. And I, it's like feeding my soul right now. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, I didn't break it. Thank God. We didn't break our vaginas. Our vaginas are not broken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I am so sorry about that. And I was trying to ignore it. And I was like, okay, that's not going to work. No, okay. you're fine. You're fine. Okay. It happens to us all the time. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about, so people talk about scheduling sex. And now why do you schedule sex? Especially, mm-hmm. like, right. And what I will say, and people think, oh my God, that sounds so terribly unsexy, like mm-hmm. scheduling sex. And that this goes back a little bit to what you're saying when you said, do you want to have sex now? Or do you want to have sex later? Like mm-hmm. it sort of feels like sort of too prosaic, but like, Scheduling sex makes sure that in our busy lives, when we are taking care of parents, kids, work, travel, spouses, that sex just doesn't fall off the radar screen, right? Mm -hmm. Like we need to know that we're having sex on some kind of regular basis. And when people say, oh my God, scheduling sex, that sounds terrible. I will laugh and I will say, whenever I talk to a couple who's been in a long-term monogamous relationship and I'll say, They'll say, we don't schedule sex. And I'll be like, oh, okay. Like, so like when do you have sex? And they'll say, oh, usually like once on the weekend or, and maybe Wednesday, or they'll say exactly what you just said. We don't really let three days or four days go by. Then it's time to have sex. Of course you're scheduling it. You don't realize you're scheduling it, Mm -hmm. but you are scheduling it. Like you're putting it on the schedule. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it sets it up so that both people kind of know it's going to happen and have an idea of when it's going to happen. And can kind of get themselves ready, which just goes back to, um, I think it was Mel, who, which one of you said, like, I don't ever feel like it. That's Cal. Cal said that. Okay. So um, I think the reality is, is that, you know, we have sort of very twisted ideas about like that this is going to be pixie dust. It's going to fall down on us. It's going to make us want to have sex. And that just is really not really not the way our bodies work and not the way our minds work. And it does sometimes work that way early in a relationship. So then we get doubly fooled, but that's because your hormones are coursing. There's a million things happening in the early stages of a relationship mm-hmm. that don't happen regularly during the, you know, and, and we're less, you know, busy. We're totally focused on the other person. Our minds are like racing with sexy thoughts. We have a lot of conversations to talk about fantasies. So, yeah. you know, so, so it seems like it's totally natural and normal to sort of get yourself ready to have sex, to be thinking about sex and fantasizing about it in order to sort of start getting turned on. And then that makes you want to have sex. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because like, I'll start thinking like the three day thing. I'll be like, okay, it's been three days. I'm going to try something tonight. That's kind of what happens in my brain. And yeah, I'll think about it all day, like the things that I want to do or try. Mm -hmm. And then like I'm right, like literally like when it's nighttime or when it's the right time of the day, like I'm I'm ready to go. You could just write a paper on that because that is like the way to hand like that is the way to keep a long term sex life going. Right. Like once upon a time. We thought, because, you know, Masters and Johnson had this beautiful little like schematic where like you have desire to have sex, then you, you know, introduce the stimulus as it turn you on, you get aroused, you have an orgasm. That's great model. Well, that model does not describe how what most women talk about. Most women talk about the fact that like they need to make a decision that they want to have sex for some reason they want. It's going to make them feel good. It's going to be relaxing, closer to their partner, whatever it is, there's going to, there's a reason they want to have sex. 
And they int- before they even want to have sex, they introduce those stimuluses. They'll kiss their partner. They'll fantasize. They'll think about the things they want to do that day, you know, mm-hmm. that night. They'll put on some sexy underwear, whatever it is that turns them on. And right. once they're turned on, then the desire kicks in, right? Mm-hmm. And then the desire kicks in. They'll bring in more stimulation. They'll get more turned on. There's more desire. There's more arousal. Hopefully there's an orgasm or whatever it is they wanted. And they get those ends, that feeling of relax, whatever it was that they wanted. And so that makes them want to start the cycle again. And that it really is a much better way to describe women's desire, I think, than there you, you go. Know, yeah. And that pixie dust where you wake up and you're like, oh my God, where's my husband? I mean, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Where's my bar- partner? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's sometimes where I like, I initiate and I want it. But the majority of the time, I'm just like, eh, like it just seems like a lot of work. Right. So the other thing I will say to you is that we do our understanding how much hormones really impact mm-hmm. our sex life. Like, you know how you sometimes see like two 17 year olds and they can't keep their hands off each other. And like, you know, you don't think to yourself, oh my God, they must've had a really meaningful conversation just now. (laughs) No, right. (laughs) Or, or he probably bought her a flower. You don't think that you think, oh my God, their hormones are raging and they are. But then when we hit our thirties somehow, or forties or fifties or sixties, whatever it is, somehow nobody is willing to say, oh, maybe God, maybe there's hormonal issues going on here. Yeah. And, and there are, and, and women need testosterone. We think of testosterone as a male hormone. Women need that, you know, our birth control can have a huge impact on our hormonal, you know, profile. There's a million things that can be bringing down our hormones, which make you kind of not want to have sex or not well, interested in sex. What about the women that have like PCOS or any of those autoimmune diseases? So that is a great question. And there's still a lot of research happening with that. But uh, very often the women who have PCOS to start with actually do have high, have good sex drives because they have more testosterone than other people. That's why they Uh, often have a little more hair growth. They have acne, all of those things are, but then they get put on this testosterone blocking medication uh, and that can kill their sex drive. And this is birth control pills, just so you know that, like and I am not anti-birth control pills. I'm a big fan of them. But for a lot of women, they have a secondary impact of raising, I don't want to get too technical, but SHBG, the sex hormone binding globulin, the, the protein that binds your testosterone and doesn't make it usable. And so a lot of women find that when they go on birth control after a while, their libido just collapses. Oh, mm. no. I just got on the... The pill. Mm-hmm. I got on a low the, dose hormone pill though. Just keep an eye on it is what so. I always say. Like some women, it does not impact the two okay. things. If you go on a, a birth control, any kind of hormonal birth control, the two things you really need to keep an eye on are, has it affected your libido? Like, are your interest in having sex? Yes, she is. Oh, and, well, and I mean, I'm a horny toad over here and it has, good. that's what I'm saying. And, and it, it hasn't totally stay that way. Yeah. So, so far it hasn't changed so far. I'm saying this is where women, the more you are educated, the more you can make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. So to keep an eye on that. And the second thing to keep an eye on is your vagina because okay. it also changes your estrogen levels and your estrogen level is really has an impact on your vagina. And sometimes people start having pain because their vagina gets more dry and, um, ephemeral, like like more tissue papery. Now, oh. again, some people do not, it doesn't happen to birth control. Like there are millions and millions of women on birth control who are fine, but physicians don't always tell women what right. to keep an eye out for. Yeah. So a woman will come in and she'll be like, it's so weird. I just started having pain every time I have intercourse. And I'm like, I got on birth control 
pill a year ago. And I keep asking my doctor and he says, there's nothing to do with it. And I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. Get off the birth control pill. Let's get you an IUD. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Like, so, so that's where you have to just be an educated consumer. Yeah. And okay. now I know that I have just been all over the place. So I apologize. <laughs> no, you're answering. No, this is good. Um, So I have four autoimmune diseases and I take several medications. So do the medications that I take or the autoimmune diseases themselves, themselves, do those make a difference in sex drive? So everybody's a little bit different, but in both the answer to both could be a yes. Okay. Yeah. And so what you may want to do, if you like, you have to be on your autoimmune yeah. medications and yeah. you did not choose to have these autoimmune diseases, right? right. Like, um, so so the, the trick is always to understand that you can work around everything. Like I okay. really feel like you can work around everything. So in your case, it sounds like you're functioning fine. You get really aroused. You have orgasms. Mm -hmm. It's just that like getting you to that point where the interest, mm -hmm. that desire factors are there. So first of all, you may want to look into taking testosterone because oh. it is not con contraindicated for many, many things. And you can absolutely take testosterone. So that's okay. number one. Okay. And it's something to think about. The other thing is that when we learn, and it's a real learning process to use our brain properly, and also to go into it with the thing we were saying before, which is that like, okay, I want to have sex. I want to have sex because it's good for me. Mm -hmm. It's good for my partner. And so I'm going to figure out, I know I'm going to try to have sex like Monday and Wednesdays or whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to focus on the things that make me want to have sex. If that's taking a bath, if that's taking a dance class, if that's take, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. realize that you're going to have to do a little bit of, you know, pushing yourself mm -hmm. to get yourself to have sex, but then it's good once you, you know what, think about it exactly like exercise, you know, mm. really it's not going to be like, there's no way that you're going to always want to get off that sofa and go for that walk or Correct. run or right. But two things first is, you know, that if you have a regular exercise regime, you know, regime, it's going to make you feel great. You're going to feel great at the end of the exercise thing. It's going to do fabulous things for you. You're going to feel really good about it. And you also know, if you find things that you enjoy doing, it makes it easier to do it. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, and given all that, there's still going to be sometimes you're like, do I really have to get off the sofa? But you know what? Like, but most of the time you're going to be like, okay, I'm off to my Zumba class or, okay, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to go do that, you know, weightlifting class because it's a lot of fun and I can't, or I'm going to go rollerblading or whatever it is that I do. And so think about your sex life like that. Like it is okay. a really good, important piece of your life and you want to, you want to embrace it and make it as, do it as, make it as fun as you can. And also just appreciate the fact that it has so many positive benefits that it's like worth the effort. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Like that that's answer. really cool. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So we have the answers to that. What other questions do we have? A lot have? of people are talking about sex drive. Why some people, when they have bariatric surgery, when they prior have a sex drive and then afterwards don't or yes. vice versa, because mine went through the roof after. Yeah. So, but we hear lots of people, it goes down. So. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what's happening. Again, this is so hormonal. Right. And we know that there's dramatic hormonal shifts from, mm -hmm. from bariatric surgery. Mm -hmm. And depending on the kind of surgery you have, you're having different shifts. But yeah. we know that those, you know, we know that we know that because of the way our hunger acts differently, our insulin acts differently. Like there's so many hormonal shifts. And so everybody's going to be a little bit different in this one. So there's the hormonal shifts that we cannot, you, you can't underestimate those. Those are dramatic. That's mm -hmm. number one. Okay. And then there's this the self, the idea of the self beforehand. Now, now testosterone that I talked about before is actually stored in fat cells. 
So it is, that's why the PCOS women often gain weight, right? And right. So it is possible that people feel like they were more horny or more interested in sex before the surgery because they, now they're not actually losing fat cells, but the fat cells are just shrinking. So, um, but the testosterone, I'm sure their testosterone level is going to be much lower after the surgery. So for some women, that's going to have that impact, right? For some women, there was too much inflammation. And so they couldn't actually access their testosterone. And so they're going to feel like that's better. And, and we can't forget the fact that there's some women who just feel different after the surgery. Like I feel attractive. I feel sexy. Some women who feel like, oh my God, I don't know who I am anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's all of those pieces that we really have to be very like respectful and explore with women, you know, you know. People assume, oh my God, she went from a size 22 to a size, you know, 10. Of course, she's going to feel more sexy. Well, right. not really. Not if she feels mm-hmm. like now she's exposed, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the fat actually kept her like safe in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And now it feels much less safe. So we, we've got to kind of look at that also. So it could go, it could really go both ways. And working with, you know, working with a competent therapist can really, first of all, just being really kind to yourself and being understanding that it takes time and you're going to figure this out. And everybody's sex life is always changing. So you're not crazy. Like that's a really important piece. And then working with a, you know, a therapist who really is comfortable and competent with this Mm -hmm. is like, it's life-changing because Mm -hmm. you can sort of explore the fact that like, well, now I look so much sexier. Everybody expects me to be sexier and I don't feel sexier. So what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. Right? Like I've that's actually a terrible, heard Kelly say it that. It makes so much sense to me though, mm-hmm. because that's exactly what happened. I lost, I went from a size probably 22 to 18, 22, um, to a size like two at my lowest, but I was, yeah, I know it was it crazy. Was wild. Um, but I didn't feel sexy and I didn't feel I didn't know who I was because I was number one in a really bad abusive marriage marriage and I didn't know I was in an abusive marriage so I was kind of like trying to I was floundering after because I didn't know who I was I didn't know what I liked I didn't know anything and then I got like my husband left me, my ex-husband, and that I even felt even more exposed and more embarrassed because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm a size two, but I don't feel any sexier. Right. And that feels like such a failure in our society, right? Because yeah. size twos are supposed to feel really sexy. Yeah. And size 22s aren't supposed to feel uh-huh. sexy. Both messages are horrible, horrible. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of really hot, sexy 22s floating out there. And there's a lot of, you know, not so hot, sexy twos floating yep, out there. But, seriously. you know, when I hear a story like that, the first thing I think also is like, think about the hormonal shift of going from a 22 to a two. Like yeah. you probably had no testosterone left. You know what I mean? I don't even know what was happening with your estrogen. And then on top of it to feel like so like, exposed. You don't know what you're doing. You're supposed to be different. Like mm-hmm. those are, those are so like, it's, it's almost making me like cry as I hear, Aww. cause I just feel like, I, I just feel like it speaks to so many of us in terms of the shift that happens in our bodies. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, when you also bring in the, the side of like, my husband left me and then I'm like, and he pinpointed the fact that we didn't have sex enough. And so then I felt like a failure with that. So then how do I like, gain back that control 
How did you? It sounds like you did. I mean, a little bit, but I I mean, I still battle with it mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I feel awkward. I feel like I don't know my system. And then during I mean, there's so many levels to this. It's crazy. Um, I got divorced and then I started gaining weight. So then I gained 60 pounds back. And then I, but that was while I was with my current boyfriend. But I, so I never felt sexy because I was gaining this weight back. And I was like, I, but I wasn't sexy at two. Right. So why am I not feeling sexy at a size 12, 13? Now I'm losing weight again, mm-hmm. but I still don't feel sexy. So like, there's still like so all what these you're different saying, levels. What's so important is I'm feeling sexy has nothing to do with how you look. If I could say that three times, well, feeling sexy has mm. nothing to do with how you look. It just doesn't like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I I've had clients who by every stretch of the imagination are not what we as a society would think of as like hot and sexy, mm-hmm. you know, just cute or whatever. And they feel hot and sexy and they're just like little magnets. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just getting like, seriously. Yeah. And then I've had women who walk in who are like sex pots, like exactly what you think, you know? And they're like, they're not having any sex. They're not feeling sexy. They don't feel good about themselves. They And they feel like on top of it, they feel like um, frauds because mm-hmm. everybody assumes that they're like having great sex. Yep. So we need to realize that reclaiming your sexiness is like, is just something we could do at any size. Yeah. Like you can do that at any size, whether you're, you know, whatever size you're wearing today, you know, loving your body and feeling sexy is totally doable. You just need to learn how to do it. So what I'm hearing is that feeling sexy (laughs) is more like in your mind. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's It's, it's a mindset. It's totally in a mindset. I mean, it's that your mind is also affected by your hormones, to be honest. And your mind is also affected by the medical, but it is a mindset. And and I want to add one other thing about feeling awkward. This is a message I try to get out all the time on social media everywhere because it it so enrages me because I feel like this message is so screwed up. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling awkward, you're on the right track, right? Like where did we get this idea that sex is supposed to be the super comfortable, everything's like, you know, you feel a hundred percent in, you know, and comfortable. That sounds boring to me. That sounds like somebody's sleep slippers, right? Like it's not, that's not what you want. When you think about the best sex, it's usually early in the relationship Mm -hmm. when you're feeling a little awkward, a little nervous, a little uncomfortable, I'm not talking about being scared for your life here. I'm not talking about fear or I'm talking about like somehow we've gotten the message that you should not feel awkward, that that sex should be a hundred percent comfortable, but that takes kind of the, it takes all the edge off of it. And that Mm. is not, so if you're feeling awkward, I'm saying like, you go in the right direction, you're going in the right direction. I'm I'm, I'm working with women who've been married for years and they're like, I really, I think it would be really fun to be tied up or tie him up. Right. And like, but I, they're like, I can't, like I feel so embarrassed. Like I'm so it's gonna be so awkward. And I'm like, if it feels awkward, embrace the awkward. If it feels awkward, you are heading in the right direction, girl. Right? Like you don't want super repetitive, known, comfortable sex. Like sometimes you want that, but yeah. not, lot, not every right? time. Yeah. If you feel really awkward doing something, then that's great. Then do it. Okay. All right. That's great advice because I already have a few scenarios in my head. So embrace the awkward girl. Embrace the awkward. awkward. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Like of things that you you don't necessarily like you pops in your head and you're like, no, I couldn't do that. That's too awkward. Like I would look stupid doing that or whatever thoughts pop into that. What I've learned 
lately is the dudes don't care what what's like what you look like. Well, they and don't care if your legs are shaved. They don't care if you're like they don't care. They don't care. They just they want to have sex with yeah. you. Like if they're in the moment of having sex with you. Yeah. They're not going to be like, oh, her. There's too many rolls right there on that left side, but not on the right side. They don't. It doesn't even yeah. like compute to them. Yeah. It's amazing that you're able to, because I cannot tell you how often I have had clients where like, they're like, I hate my stomach. I hate my stomach. My boyfriend thinks it's so hot and he loves it. And he loves to like squish my little belly. And I'm like, you're an idiot. You're so stupid. Like, I'm like, can you hear the fact that he does think it's hot and sexy? Like, can you just, can you hear that? Like, but we're so programmed not to hear that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, it's just, it's funny because it's like, when you're talking about like, where did we learn that it needed to be this super serious like thing? I think it's from movies. It's from books. It's from all of these things that tell us that like the stars have to align for you to have sex and to enjoy it. And you have to connect and you're not allowed to laugh and you're not allowed to play when you have sex. Like that's kind of what I. Right. I think my view is. Yeah, I, I really embrace the awkward. I think we should make T-shirts up that say "embrace the awkward." I just do. Like, I, like, I like it. it. Yeah, we yeah. Can, embrace we can get those the awkward. Made. <laughs> oh yeah, no problem with that. I can. I got you covered. Love it. Here is one of the questions from our patron. So, um, struggling with orgasms after losing weight, especially in public area. Hold on, P- pubic area. In the pubic area, yeah. I've never had an issue, but now it seems it's always it's it's always going to be it's always being a struggle. So, you know, it's very hard to answer that question without more information, to be right. honest with you. But okay. like here's let me start by saying this. One of the things that is, you know, is this mytho- mythological is the idea that you have most women have orgasms from intercourse from the penis and the vagina. Right. Mm-hmm. Can we just toss that one out the window? Three out of 10 women, 30% of women have an orgasm from a penis in the vagina. That is not a lot. Seven out of 10 women do not. Okay. So, um, and then just so you know, we might as well get through all the statistics. 70 to 80% of women can have an orgasm from a hand or a mouth. So that's seven or eight out of 10 women and 95% can have one with a vibrator. All right. So that's the statistics, right? Now, when you lose weight, so I, you know, when you lose weight, things kind of shift around a little bit. They just do. You have skin in different places. You have less skin. So, you know, what was working for her before might not be working for her now. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if she had other surgery either. You know, I, I just had the panuclectomy. I can't even say the damn thing, which was the worst surgery I've ever had in my whole life, by the way, guys, I don't know if you've done it, but anyway, we have not had it. The panty. Okay. Oh, the, it's the when you take all the skin away from the abdomen the, area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I tell you that my bariatric surgery was like nothing, and this was like I was hit by a Mac chalk, this was terrible. And I was yeah. petrified about doing it because I was afraid it might affect the nerve endings on my anywhere in my vaginal area. Oh, but it didn't. We're good. Okay. But, but whenever you're doing any kind of surgery, things are affected. But I would say that the question is like, the way she had an orgasm before may not be the same way she's having an orgasm now, yeah. but it, you know what, move over, like move over and start using a vibrator girl. Like that's my answer to you. Like, and you know, I can't do a whole, like I, I, I could do a whole podcast just on vibrators. Right. But like the reality is, is that, is that women shift through their whole life, how they have orgasms. They just do. And so, okay. and they need, and people have this ridiculous idea 
that have a lot of ridiculous ideas actually, but they have a ridiculous idea that an orgasm from a penis and the vagina, that's the gold standard orgasm. Yeah. And the orgasm you have from a hand or mouth, that's like a silver standard orgasm. And the orgasm you have from a vibrator, well, that's like the bronze runner up. Like I don't even, you, well, you're doing an award. No. From, but the reality is that an orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm. and however you have an orgasm is great. And so you may have to play around a little bit to figure out how, what works for you now that might not have worked for you before, but you know, so it's hard for me to answer that. I wish she was in the room. And I, I know, right. More questions. Yeah. I mean, I would like to go off of that a little bit of like, so I noticed with myself is the fact of like, I have to have like W double stimulation for like me. Internal, to- internal and, and on the clitoris. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. For me to actually like have like an orgasm orgasm like because okay. I feel like there is a little bit of a difference between a clitoral orgasm versus the internal like the feeling at least okay so let me let me address that for a minute okay. I love <laughs> there, this conversation so much there was used to be like Epps Freud was the one who said there's a clitoral orgasm and there's a vaginal orgasm there's two different right right so it, that's not what's happening. That's not what's okay. working. Let me explain exactly what's happening. So your clitoris, you know, you think of your clitoris as the little nub that you see sticking out, mm-hmm. you know, right, right. So it's like above your vulva, your vulva, your vulva is the external area. If you stand in front of the mirror, what you see outside and the lips and everything, that's the vulva. The vagina is the hole that you go with the penis goes in. This is like quick, quickie uh, yes. anatomy lesson by much other. And, um, and then you see this little nub, which is the clitoris. Okay. Now the right. clitoris, that is actually only a teeny piece of the clitoris. The clitoris actually looks much more like a wishbone. And it has the curia, these like legs that go deep inside that are like that 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 fold in and are inside your body, which can get touched by stimulation on the vulva or stimulation in the in inside the vagina from the bottom. Okay, right. Okay. okay. So there's no such thing as two different kinds of orgasms. There's probably 5,000 kinds of orgasms. And what's happening when you have an orgasm is that you're getting stimulation, um, neurological stimulation, blood comes into the area and the nerves are getting more and more stimulated. And when the nerves have so much stimulation, they can't handle it. They shoot off, they explode little fireworks. And that's what you're experiencing is orgasm. Okay. Now you, in your vagina itself, you have about 2000 nerve endings. In your vulvar area, you have another 2,000 nerve endings. And your clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings. Holy shit. Okay, so that gives you some sense, right? Yeah. So now, depending on where you're getting the stimulation from, it's going to feel different. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, and some people, some people have orgasms from nipple stimulation also, mm-hmm. right? Because the nerves are running from their nipples. Some people get very few, but some people think their way to an orgasm, right? Because their brain has nerve impulses as well. Mm-hmm. But if you have a finger inside your vagina or a penis inside your vagina, and you're getting stimulation on top of the clitoris, you're just getting different stimulation from lots of different places. It's going to feel different than if you just have stimulation from this part or this part. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. does, it, does, that, just, does that I think change I just, your whole perception? Um, what it changes is what I, I'm, I like the double stimulation, obviously yeah. a lot better than the other. Go for you. <laughs> and, that, and that stimulation with like a hand or a mouth with something inside of you or a vibrator on something inside of you. Um, normally it's a hand or a mouth. Right. And then, and then something inside. And then in something inside of like me. your hand and his penis inside of you. Yeah. 
Yeah, that works. Right. Exactly. A lot of people like that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why the rabbit, you know, the famous vibrators, yeah. it's called the rabbit, like, you know, that's what that is. That's internal and external stimulation. Yeah. But honey, you are not the first person to notice that that works really well. <laughs> I, I figured because me and Kelly were on some sort of tour that we were doing some and trip. we watched. Oh, yeah. It was like this documentary on like, just, I think it was just called sex education. It, to be honest. Yeah, it was something they went into like the anatomy and like the background, the history of women's sexuality. And it was very interesting. interesting I yeah. don't even think we finished it. We didn't. We have one more episode. Left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we have shows that we watch only when we're like traveling. Yep. Um, but yeah, we learned that there is all different sorts of stimulation. And I and mean, the fact of like, there's like an internal, but like what people would call like ringing the bell or like hitting the G spot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like what that really is. Yeah. So the G spot is something else we could talk about if you want, which is that. Okay. So if you put your finger, if you slide your finger into a vagina and you like pull it up, like, like think you're sliding it until about the second knuckle and you're doing like this come hither motion at the top, you're going to feel something that feels kind of spongy. Okay. Okay. That is the G spot. Everybody has a G spot like there's, and it's, 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 it's uh, named after Dr. Graffinger. So that's oh. why it's called the G spot because oh. Dr. Gravinger found it. Okay. So, um, but just because everybody has it doesn't mean that everybody finds it pleasurable. Okay. Uh. So, like everything else in life, like some women love having their ears, the the spot behind their ears rubbed, and some people really like their nipples getting tweaked, and some people are like, "Get your freaking fingers off my nipples! It drives me crazy." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so some people really enjoy that area being uh, stimulated, and some people find nothing pleasurable about it it tends to be near your urethra which makes it sometimes feel like you need to pee which Mm. can again feel really good Uh because it's stimulation coming from another whole set of nerve endings Uh or other people don't like it Mm -hmm. um because either they're afraid they're gonna pee or which you know brings us to the whole sex towel to conversation but that is another conversation definitely want to talk about that We do. We do. Yeah. We do. Let's just switch it to that. Yeah. Let's talk about the sex towel. What's up? Okay. Yeah. We need to know. The sex, everybody should have a freaking sex towel. I don't even know. Like, you, sex is messy, right? Mm -hmm. It's messy from him. It's messy from you. You don't want to be hesitant about leaking your lubricant. You don't want to, you don't want to, if you squirt a little or pee a little or whatever it is, you want to be able to let go and let loose. And if what's stopping you is that you're afraid you're going to have a wet spot on the bed, then that is ridiculous. So everybody should have a sex towel. And I've had people say that they use all kinds, like, again, on, on social media, when I posted about sex towels, which gets great response, people are like, oh, I use my doggy thing, you know, like this they have for dogs. I don't have a dog, but they have like these pads that you put like under yeah. the dogs like the- that. And she's like, I, they're disposable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I use those. They work amazing. And then I have other people say, they, why are you cracking up? Terrible because idea. No, I, because I could totally envision it. Well, one, I have them right on the outside of the store <laughs> on my pantry shelf that are used for dogs, though. But I just envision me like putting it on my bed and I'm just like, I can't. I can't. Oh, I can okay. totally see that working, though. <laughs> oh, it will totally work because any type of like fluid, it will just like, <laughs> yeah, it'll just soak it up. 
and then yeah. you don't have to worry about who's who's on so what, the, what wait, spot. Same so thing with tux. Like I think they're called tux. The the ones that they use like after surgery that you put under yourself to that. So those, so those, but those look a little clinical. So yes. often people just like having a towel. Yeah. And I just have people have great stories about like I this one woman who said to me, she's like, I have my sex towel and I was, I had just washed it and or whatever. And my kid was like, oh, I'm taking this to the beach. <sighs> And she's like, or maybe she hadn't washed it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's like, you know, so because usually people like a towel that they can kind of tell is, is different than their others. You don't right. need to. You're going to wash it. What's yeah. the big deal? But it's kind of fun to have like a sex towel. I'm keep sure. Keep it near your bed. Keep yeah. it near your bed with yeah. your lube and your vibrators and your handcuffs. I mean, I have there a blanket that we, we we use because then that way we just take the blanket off and just throw it in the wash. There you go. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter well, exactly where you it. are. So it's a sex blanket. You it's a, a sex blanket. blanket. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It may I, have Hogwarts on it. It's fine. I mean, they're having fun. Yeah. We we we, we deal I with it. I love the Hogwarts thing. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I, mean, I have to. I'm putting this on Instagram later today. <laughs> she has a sex towel that's a, a sex blanket that says Hogwarts on it. Oh, my yes. God. It's, I could uh, not love it more. It literally says like... Uh, Gryffindor, welcome, like welcome home, or you're at home if you're at Hogwarts or something like that. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's I love great. That. Come all over that. Only know, right? Yeah. Well, but then it's big enough that it doesn't matter where we are on the bed. That's what I was right. thinking with the towel thing. I'm like, I'm gonna need a big towel. Like, a, like a, take a no. You take a um. You take like a beach towel and you fold it in half, and that's pretty big usually. Yeah. I mean, unless you're like doing serious rolling around, in which case you can just grab it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a sex blanket. I think I'll do a sex blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's can, softer. It is softer. It's not like scratchy. So go you. <laughs> I think that's great. Question about squirting. Yes. We're just yes. Go into it. one. Like, because I feel like. Cause I don't. So I feel weird that I don't, but then I hear people that do. And then I just don't just throw me under the bus. I did not say, I'm just saying you it, do yourself by me. saying that. I'm just saying, throw me under the bus. <laughs> I don't want cause to. You're a, Cause you're a big squirter. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Some women squirt, some women do not period. End of story. Like that okay. is just, you know, and, and I'll tell you what it has. To, first of all, there's so much argument in the literature of what you're actually squirting, right? Yeah. It's some combination mm. of like lube, lubricant, natural lubricant from your body, skein's gland fluid, which is like around the area of that G spot and urine. urine. It's like some combo of that. Okay. Right. And Often women have more of it as they get older, just because there's a little bit more urine squirting out, but some people find it extremely pleasurable. And some people feel like it just, it is what it is, but like, it doesn't mean that the orgasm is better. It's just the way one woman works versus another woman works. That's all there really. So, so, and you, and you two are case in point, yeah. one of you squirts and one of you doesn't squirt, but your mm -hmm. orgasms are both an orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm. They're yeah. great. However they come. So what I hate is when I feel like women are working really, really hard to squirt because I feel like they somehow think like there's a holy grail of squirting going on there. And that's like only trying too hard to have orgasm in a certain way just destroys the fun. That's what I'm thinking. Like well, that's yeah. Cause that's been my thing is that like, I hear that like, well, you hear all the time from dudes. So they're like, well, you haven't been with me yet. I make every girl I'm with squirt. And then I'm just like, that's not real. That can't be real. It's just in their head. Because like I've heard statistics that it's lower rated for women to squirt. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what? You're just like a diamond. Like you're getting like a hundred percent rate on this. It just doesn't make sense to me. And then it makes <sighs> me think that like I should be 
then, right? No. Or is it just my partner no. that can't get me? It's a small me? percentage. I it's, don't know the percentage, but it's a small, I think it's under 20%. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. You. But what's, what's more telling about this is that these guys who say, oh, like, let's go back to the orgasm from intercourse, right? This one really drives me nuts. Oh, every time I'm with a woman, she has an orgasm from intercourse. I, I, I once had a client, this was hysterical. It was actually turned out to be a sweet story, but the woman comes in and she goes, I really, I want to have an orgasm from intercourse. And I'm like, okay, but you know, I, I'm not a magician. So let's, let's have a conversation about yeah. this. And she said, but my boyfriend, I said to her, really only three out of 10 women have an orgasm. So you're in very good company with 70% of women. Yeah. And she said, but my boyfriend said to me, every woman he's been with has an orgasm from intercourse. And I looked at her and this is not like a unique, I was like, okay, we have a number of options here. Either he was with an incredibly skewed sample. It's possible mm-hmm. Two, they were faking it mm-hmm. highest possibility. Cause we know how many women fake it mm-hmm. um, or three, you know, he isn't, maybe he's just saying that, like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, she came back in the next time. It was fascinating. And she said to me, but I've had so many of these conversations. She said, I went back and I had a conversation with him about it. And he said to her, give him credit. I didn't say they were having an intercourse. They were having orgasms from intercourse. I said they were having orgasms during intercourse. So a lot of them were oh. using their own hand or a vibrator. Oh, so then she felt more comfortable because she didn't feel like the odd duck out. Yeah. But, but, you know, when guys say that it kind of enrages me because a woman being able to have an orgasm from intercourse, it has to do with where her clitoris is situated in relationship to her vagina, the angle of her vagina, the angle of his penis in the vagina. Like there there's, it's just bullshit. If a guy says any woman, I can have an orgasm, you know, every woman I have intercourse has an orgasm and I'll say, yes. All that tells me about you is that you're putting so much pressure on them. They're for faking it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did for like 10 years. However, however long you had to do that for. Yeah. Really? Go oh, you. yeah. It was not. It was not good. That's not good. It is. Yeah. We could we could do a whole episode. See, my on sex not faking was it. good with my ex. It just was not as often as I would want. Yeah. That was my, that was our problem. I feel like you need to have that connection. You need to feel connected feel to connected your, to your partner. Yeah. Through, uh, not just through sex, it's through touch. Yeah. I'm very like, that's my love language. Is yes. Touch. It's number one is touch. And number two is active service. Yeah. Yeah. And my boyfriend is exactly like she is. I mean, we were best friends. I actually knew her boyfriend longer than she, she's known her. Boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've known him for like, well, you should just be having years. sex with her boyfriend. No, they no, would never work. You. They oh, would never God. work. She would destroy I'm just, him. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. just kidding. That was she a joke. She would destroy that was, him. That was a joke. Um, no, I mean, but I would he, destroy uh, yeah, she would. Um, <laughs> but he's like that. He needs that touch and that constant, like, reassurement almost that we're connected. Right. But I'm not that way. I, right. I, you, I, need se- you need the sex less than he does. Yes. Yes. You love him and you want to be in a relationship with him and you know that it feels good. And so you do the things you do to get yourself turned on in order to have sex with him. Yes. I'm so curious. I'm going to go circle all the way back to the beginning of this conversation okay. where you said that I guess you had approached him and said, do you want to sex now or later? Yes. Did he mind that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it felt too transactional to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it would feel better to him if you said, I really want to have sex with you, but I just need some like heads up. Like, are we, are we doing it now, babe? Or Even are we doing that it later? I think would bug him. Like he wants it to be like very, 
like I just jump on him and I'm she, just right. he wants touch and that leads into sex. He wants me yeah. to jump on him and right. like say and like not say anything, but just basically we're having sex in my head, like jumping right. sex. So yes. and that doesn't come easy for me. Like, yeah. That's what right. she said. And I, I think, honestly, I think that's a conversation. Yeah. You know I mean, like, and because I think once maybe he understands it, it could two things. One is once he understands it better, he can be more kind of understanding. And mm-hmm. two, you may want to make a decision in your head sometimes to like go after him because mm-hmm. it means a lot to him. Right? Yeah. Even if it makes you feel a little awkward or a little uncomfortable or whatever. But like, it, think about it as what's your love language? I don't know. You should probably figure that out. Well, the point is, think about it as like, <laughs> she's like, wait a minute, bringing him flowers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a nice thing to do for him to make him feel wanted. Yeah. That way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I need to number one, figure out my love language. Yes. And number two, just make jump him on. feel wanted. Yeah. Just jump right. on Just him. make him feel wanted because I know the, because you said it earlier in the show about like how to talk too. Yeah. Like you're you don't know how to talk that like sexy talk. Yeah. No. So it's like if you don't know how to do the sexy talk and you don't know how to initiate like that's that that takes away the want part. Oh, I know. So completely because it's he can talk sexy to me and I'm like, thanks. No, I don't really say thanks, but it's like but that's (laughs) what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, oh, thanks. And then I'm like, like it. Do you like it? I mean, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, dude, I'm I'm literally working right now. I can't do anything with what you just sent me. So, right. But when you're having sex, right? I love you. This goes back. This goes so back to the first piece of the conversation about like why is sex important? Yeah, because it's less about the what we're doing and more about how you're making the person feel. So if the person feels wanted and desired, like, can you imagine if he never wanted to have sex with you, how that would feel? Um, I already know how that feels because we had a three week period of him testing me. And how that feel? Awful. Okay. There you go. So, so you want to make sure and everything's a balancing act, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to be constantly having sex when you don't want to have sex, but at least when you are having sex, you want to make him feel like loved and wanted. Yeah. That's really what the sex is about. Well, I know when I told my partner, because like they, they're a lot like Kel, like, mm-hmm. in, which is interesting because they are a lot of like, but anyways, that's, yeah. he's an ex for a reason. But the deal was, is that like, I needed the talk part. Like I needed just to feel the want and the desire. Mm-hmm. If I could just hear it. And he, I would tell him, I'm like, okay, so you have thoughts where you're like, fuck, I want to fuck my wife right now. Right. And he's like, well, yeah, like all the time. And I was like, well, then act on those. But so I'll, what I would say to you is that if you feel that way towards your partner, just act on them because then it, it right, makes them feel good. Right. But like, she when doesn't you have the necessarily feeling. feel that way. That's the problem. That's the problem at all. No, like there's certain times where I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to have sex right now. But she's a responsive she's a yeah. response she's not a spontaneous she doesn't necessarily spontaneous like it sounds like your husband is like i really want to have sex with you and you're saying good then please express that to me in all different kinds of ways because mm-hmm. that's what turns me on being wanted right, right. yes right and um i will preface what kelly is saying is i don't spontaneously want to have sex yeah and so what i'm saying to kelly is but you know how important it is for the relationship and it feels mm-hmm. good so get yourself to want sex do yeah. what you need to do to get yourself to want sex and then 
be there with him and express that to him. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And then what my other question is like, I don't know. You can definitely probably answer this. So why is it with certain people? Cause we've all had multiple partners. So mm-hmm. like, why is it with certain partners? Like all of a sudden, like you'll feel like vibrating and like excited, but then other people, it's like nothing like, wow. Like what is, what is that? Yeah. Wish everybody wishes they had that answer. So there's a few different pieces to that. Um, and then maybe we need to wind down because we have been talking for a long time, girls. Okay. Um, okay. And my throat is like going. Um, okay. That will be so, a part two, probably a three. Like, everybody okay. like Anytime you want. This is so much fun. Um, so very often early in relationships, you get that vibrating feeling, right? You don't know the person. And, and that has to do with the awkward again. Like you don't know the person so well. Like you have all these fantasies stuffed onto the person that you think about the person. And um, and you know, so, so there is, and your hormones are raging like crazy early in a relationship. So often that's a piece of it. The other thing is that we like, we don't admit it, but we really like a lot of us, not everybody, alpha men, aggressive alpha. Like if I tell you the number of women who are in my office saying to me, you know, I married this guy and I love him and he is a sweetheart and he's everything I want from a partner, but I'm still fantasizing about the guy from high school who you know, rode a motorcycle and is in jail now, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's something about sort of the aggressive, the the strong, which doesn't necessarily make good life partners, but really is very hot and sexy. And I think we women have a hard time acknowledging that to ourselves and using that in a way, either through our fantasy life or letting our partners actually be that way. Like, the men in our lives are often like they've been spending their entire life trying to like become less aggressive. And yet that may turn us on more in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, it's a lot, it's like a dance. It's like, a dance. okay, but it's a, we could talk, this is a really interesting topic. I want to, it's so funny. I have a chapter in my book about this. Um, and it, you know, it's called complicated emotions and how we, you know, and it was the hardest chapter to write because you know, it's tricky in our day and age to say that women like to be with men who are a little bit like more aggressive. But I mm-hmm. think that for the most part, that is true. That's why Fifty Shades of Grey, like remember when Fifty Shades of Grey came out and everybody loved that book? You I know? loved it. And that doesn't mean that you want to be with an asshole. It just means that there's something sexy about power dynamics, even in both directions. Yeah, well, yeah. because I learned um, with my ex-husband is like what I need now is I need someone that's like a provider and a protector, like streamline, ha- mainly protector. Like I need someone that's willing to like protect me if anything goes down. Yeah. And it's completely opposite of what my ex-husband was. So right. I can tell. I'm sure. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I've been so much more happier being with people. This are, guy. Mm-hmm, yeah. And you guy. should stay with this guy because he's great. But you just need to figure out how to make the sex work sometimes in that situation. And that may be realizing that there's another side to him that he's, you know, that's really there that, we, you know, or being in your head a little bit more or playing games with them. Like, there's a lot of ways to do that. But but if you're asking me why some people are sort of more naturally a turn on than others, I think, you know unknown new you know you know your erotic brain does not like repetition and it does not like safety and it does not like you know comfort which is what i talked about before so you gotta learn to use that erotic mind we did not even discuss fantasies no we didn't we that part two we will do all fantasy stuff yes oh my god this is amazing 
So much info. Yes. So, so much fun. And I feel like I, maybe I dumped too much info. So I apologize. No, if it no was all not over, at all. But it was so fun. And it's so great to be with people who are so open. Yeah. Oh, we're open books. Yes, we are. I can't wait to read your book. I know. I so, was like, we're going to have to get that book. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to yes, link it well, below. If you, if you eat, if you send me your snail mail address, I will send you um, autographed, like, you know, really? Oh, oh, yes. yes. Oh my yes, gosh. Yes. Thank oh. you. We cannot, I'm, I, I'm totally stoked to read the book. Yes. So, and we'll have it linked below for everybody else who wants to purchase a book. Um, this is incredible. And we cannot wait to have you back for part two. Yes. I had so much fun and I can't wait to come back for part two. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, we love you guys and we will see you next time. Bye. Hey, listeners, if you enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review and subscribe on any platform you get your podcasts. And don't forget to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP for all your support needs. That's right. And we even have our own website. So go over to arslevipodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, get that free ebook, and then don't forget to get your merch. And also we're on YouTube, guys. So type in our name, hit that bell and hit subscribe. And you're going to see our love faces every single Tuesday. So thank you for listening to our sleep life podcast, where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time. Bye.